Welcome to Box Press Radio. I'm Dan. And I'm Zach. And we're going to talk about some Resident Evil uh, new Netflix series, I guess. And then I wanted to talk about the Formula Drift event in, uh, what is it, uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, I think it was. Oh, shit. Is that where it is? Well, that's right in my backyard. Oh, really? But yeah, Erie's, I mean, I guess it's like a couple hours away, but I'm up in PA all the time, so it's, you know, it's not that fucking far away. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's where that was, I believe. I can double check. Um, FD Erie. Uh, yeah, Erie, Pennsylvania. Huh. I didn't actually realize anything happened in Erie, Pennsylvania, so this is news yeah. to me. The Lake Erie Speedway. Yeah. It's right off of Highway 86, above Little Hope. <laughs> Wait, is it really? Yeah. That's funny, because I was just playing a game called Little Hope yesterday. Um, yeah, it was, uh, they called it Round 4 Borderlands. I, I don't know what Borderlands has to do with anything, but... They're just lifting everything from video games at this point, right? Because this is just... Well, I think it had something to do with the name of the track or something. Gotcha. Uh, or like it is on the border, I guess technically, of like three states. Or no, two oh, so states. That's, that's like northern Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's right on Lake Erie. I don't know where Lake Erie is. I don't, I don't go there. It's like the very like north east or no northwest corner of Pennsylvania. So is a border like New York and Connecticut or something? Yeah, New York. And then Ohio is actually on the other side oh. to the west. Ohio, you're right. I'm retarded. Yeah. It's like caddy corner from Maryland. But yeah. Right on. Anyway, yeah. So... Um, so do you want to start with the Resident Evil thing? Yeah, I was going to say, tell me about this Resident Evil thing. I'm going to look it up because I I don't know that I've even seen it. Yeah, it's called Infinite Darkness. That's ominous. Um, yeah, it, it's like a 3D animated thing. I had to look up when it took place, because apparently it takes place between like Resident Evil 4 and 5. So it hmm. involves uh, Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield. Okay. And it's like the Raccoon City incident, but it ends up starting to happen in like DC. Uh, I, it's it's really hard to talk about first of all it's only four episodes long which i was just kind of like why that seems kind of pointless and it wasn't even like four hour long episodes yeah they're like 25 minutes yeah um i mean they're neat they're not that good it's not bad like if you're in a resident evil it's definitely worth watching i guess but it seems like a really weird time to put out something from that far back in resident evil's catalog and make it that short, I guess. It almost seems like somebody, like, missed a deadline, and they were like, I don't know, man, just throw it out there now. Or, like, Netflix, like, decided to buy it, like, at, you know, on a discount or something. Like, they just had Honestly, it sitting around. It, it kind of feels that way, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it looks, it looks like one of those, like, 
super budget animated movies. Well, it might be something that they just uh, like dubbed over or something because the voices don't really mesh up with the mouths a whole lot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it was it was pretty neat. I wish it hadn't been so short. I, I was using it as kind of like background noise while I was working. And I and then it was oh, just like over. over. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess I'll find something else to watch today then. Damn. Uh, but, you know, Netflix, I guess, is getting is going all in on the Resident Evil stuff now because they're doing a live action Resident Evil reboot. I, I guess they're starting from like Resident Evil 1 and doing a series from then on. But it, I haven't seen a trailer or anything for it yet. But I think we were talking about this before. One of the things that everyone's losing their shit over is Wesker. And Wesker is one of my favorite characters in Resident Evil. But they're having it being played by Lance Riddick. What else was he in? I'm bad with actors. Um, you know, my sister was just listing off a bunch of these the other day. I don't really remember, but... Let me let me Google this. Lance I Riddick? voice... Yeah, I know voice acting wise, he was Zavala in Destiny. Oh, that guy. Okay, yeah. But he's like a a tall. Wait, he's gonna dude. play Wesker. Wesker. Wesker's like the uh, palest, like pale person in yeah, all of video he's games. He's like a vampiric <laughs> white kind of like an old man, like a old English man. Yeah. Like it. Okay, so for background. I'm most familiar with Wesker from Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom. That's a really weird place. For I know me. that's I know that's a really weird re- weird pull, but like everybody always uses Wesker, so he's like his his like dash around move is the thing that always like sticks in my head. Because Wesker's fucking awesome. Um, and like I, I am mean, familiar it, with with Resident Evil. It's just like whenever I hear his name, that's what I think of. It's usually what I think of. I, I just he was always just dope. I don't know. And I, I love Lance Reddick actually. I I'm terrible at names. I actually had no idea that was that guy's name. I thought he had a totally different name. I um, I also really like Lance Reddick. He's amazing. And I love Wesker. But these two things should not go together. And okay, and so <laughs> here's the thing though. Like I don't really care what color Wesker is. Like I guess I don't really give a shit about like whether he's like you know, pasty white or not, but Wesker had like some baller ass hair. <laughs> they gonna give Lance Reddick like a wig? <laughs> like he just doesn't look like the character in all of the depictions they've had. Which I guess I, I guess, again I don't care that much. Like he's pretty good. It's it's one of those things where I feel like, and it's not even, like even his acting style. I feel like he could act like a good Wesker. Like sure, absolutely, I'd buy that. Like but, he was I mean, badass in John when, Wick, but 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 especially when you're dealing with video game characters, like appearance is kind of everything with video game characters. Right. I'm just like, I feel like you're screwing with something you really ought not to screw with there. I feel like it there's got to be make... another role that he fits there. Well, and. I think a lot of people are getting pissed because it seems like Netflix is trying to do woke Resident Evil. Oh, he's from uh, Baltimore, by the way. Uh, yes, I know. Actually, I, we found that out last night. Born on uh, Christmas. Or no, New Year's. I, did, I didn't know that either. That's pretty mm. dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know he was from Baltimore. That, that's fucking great. Um, 
but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I feel like you shouldn't fuck with people's favorite video game characters that much. That seems like a bad way to go. And if it you're just doesn't, to, it doesn't if, fit the role in my head. Like his voice, in particular, doesn't. I, yeah, like he has such an iconic voice. It's that's like, mm, I don't know. I guess we'll see how he does. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna watch it. It right? might be I'll great. Like shot. he might do a better job. Like maybe the character is better this way. I don't have a lot of hope for it. I do feel like it's just Netflix trying to do woke Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest reason that I'm worried about it is because Netflix tries to make everything woke. And also all of the Resident Evil movies can eat a dick. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it is when it comes out. I don't have very high hopes for it. And it kind of seems like, just based on online comment the comments that it's not that the people that they need to bring in to watch it they seem to have lost already so and that's one of the reasons you don't fuck with people's characters it's it's kind of like we're gonna do a borderland show great who's playing tiny tina betty white right or like i love white but fucking why (laughs) we're we're gonna have wee man play brick (laughs) yeah yeah, there you go. It's like, like uh, or like it'd be like having Gilbert Gottfried as like He Man. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like the voice doesn't match the character, or or even any part of the design just doesn't make sense. And that was one of the things. Like, maybe he could play a good Wesker voice wise. Like, I I didn't know that there were two projects. Like, I thought Infinite Darkness was the new show. Yeah, and that Lance Reddick would be doing the voice of Wesker, and I was, I was on board with that. I was like, you know what? Fine, let's see how that goes. Like, I, I would be interested to see how he plays Wesker. No, they're like, no, that's a separate thing. He's gonna play live action Wesker, and I'm like, oh, fucking why? <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, he's one of those characters who, after having played enough Destiny, like I can't get away from him being Zavala. Yeah, that's kind of where i know him the most from so i i agree and like he was great in uh in john wick and john wick 4 um but like i don't know man <laughs> like, <laughs> it's yeah, just it's 100 percent. i, I feel like that. they're they're missing the missing the boat on casting on that I would be curious to know who's playing Claire Redfield um, and what's-his-face. Well, and the only other characters, they just showed, like... I don't I don't know actors and actresses all that well, so I'm sorry if anyone's in love with these people. But it looked like a cast of the most vanilla, generic women possible. Yeah. So I don't well, know who's playing who, and I didn't even know that there were that many female characters in Resident Evil, so I was like... Like, I can tell you right now... I know Jill and Claire. Yeah, Jill Valentine and Claire Redfield. Redfield. Yeah. And those are the I, only ones. There's the only ones I know. So, like, who yeah. are the other fucking women? Like, where's uh, Leon and Chris and, you know, right. Ethan from the new games and shit? Like, I, I don't. I, who, I guess who I would rather. What is this? I guess I would rather have a Parasite Eve movie or show. Ooh. 
fuck, nobody gives a shit about Parasite Eve, but you know what? I'd fucking watch that. I'd watch that in a minute. Like, I've That'd seen a ton great. of people, like, playing that game on Twitch recently, and I feel like people are just missing the boat. Um, yeah. Like, it, it seems so perfectly set up for, like, a suspense thriller movie. That was one of those games where, like, if you were into kind of like square and experimental RPGs and you were also into horror, you, you fucking knew Parasite Eve. That was like the and only then, like survival horror esque game I ever played. Yeah. But I think I feel like outside of that, nobody really played that game and it didn't really get enough mention. Like if you look at top ten or top hundred lists or anything like that from back in the day, like you'd probably see Parasite Eve, but I feel like it's just one of those things that never got talked about that probably should have gotten talked about more. Yeah, unless you were like like you said, unless you were like a horror nerd or an RPG nerd, you probably didn't play it. Because it it wasn't like this super critically acclaimed like AAA title. Um, it was definitely more of like a, hey, if you're already playing all these other games, you're probably going to buy this one. But um, I feel like horror-wise, it never matched up to Resident Evil or Silent Hill, which were like the big contenders when it came out. Like it was that a little, era. It was a little lighter on the horror side of things. But at the same time, with RPGs, like nobody played rpgs like you had final fantasy 7 and people were just discovering that that was a genre at least here so i mean i guess it was yeah i i don't know like everywhere around me but i know like you know my whole group of friends and like all the kids in my elementary schools um like we all played a ton of rpgs like we were all huge final fantasy nerds and um like we basically played like every rpg that came out like secret of mana and chrono trigger eventually chrono cross like all of the rpgs i feel like there was a lot of my friends or at least the games that people could afford but i think overall like if you just look at video games back at that time like rpgs didn't sell well like there just were not that many people playing them until final fantasy 7 really started getting everybody into them and i feel like, a lot of people still didn't really hit their RPG phases until PlayStation 2. Yeah. So it was really easy for people to just kind of skip over something like Parasite Eve. Yeah, that was a PlayStation 1 game, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that was fucking I mean, game. I didn't even play it until PS2 came out, but it was fun. It was a good game. That was a good try. We should have done more stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I I always remember. I don't know why. Like when I think of Parasite Eve, I also think of uh, um, gosh, what was the game? Septera Core was bundled with Shogo. Uh yeah, I actually just reinstalled that because I was like, man, I really want to play Septera Core. It's been a minute. Yeah, for whatever reason, I guess I probably played those around the same time. But like, I always think of those two games at the same time. I don't. That's a weird association, but yeah, game. there's there's nothing to do with each other, and I assume it's just they came out around the same time, or I played them at the same time. Um, but yeah, my brain yeah. associates those for some reason. I was always into the post-apocalyptic and steampunky shit. So when I when I saw Septera Core, because I got it when it was bundled with Shogo, and I already knew that I wanted Shogo. I think I bought it at Kmart. <laughs> It might have been the same for me, to be honest. Yeah, I think I bought the um, bundle for like five bucks at Kmart. 
yeah like i i had heard of shogo i had a friend that had played it and you know i was just like giant robots and shit like i saw a giant robot on the cover and it was always cheap and i was like fuck yeah yeah that's I'll why play, i got it i'll play cheap robot game and it's like also like i couldn't get it by itself yeah and it was like oh you have to play this game called subterra core and i'm like what the fuck is subterra core i don't give a shit and then I looked at it, I was like, oh, this actually looks pretty pretty neat. I'm going to try this. <laughs> I bounced off that pretty hard the first time I played it, and then I went back to it like a year later and really enjoyed it. I actually beat it. Yeah, I, I finished it. I just, like, the first time I played it, I was just like, this sucks. The I just combat did, system it didn't click for is, me. The combat system is funky. Like, I went back and tried to replay it Yeah, and bounced off of it then because i was like man i forgot i don't even know how i got good at this the first time like fuck this combat system is really weird it's a little wonky yeah um but that speaking of that kind of like experimental horror genre thing i've also gotten back to playing more of the uh dark pictures anthology games i told i think i told you last time about man of medan yeah um and now i've started playing little hope i actually beat little hope last night uh but the way that game works is like it's the same format it's really weird the way they do things like you know how with telltale games every game was basically just a reskin of each other right, right. like they had different yeah. they had different stories but it was the same core gameplay you did the same kind of thing just yeah you, you play the story you pick the choices have fun yeah. um this game's really kind of different because you have to figure out what's going on, and that's a core part of the gameplay. So with Man of Medan, it was very much like Telltale. You know, you got to keep your characters alive, but it was basically like make smart decisions, and then, you know, you play the story and you walk around and all that fun stuff. This time, I ended up keeping most of my characters alive till the end, and then a couple of them ended up like forcibly being killed anyway because I couldn't figure out what was going on with the story and so i fucked everything up at the end like i didn't realize because i didn't make certain choices and make characters do certain things that meant that they were going to die and then the the twist ending to the game itself kind of made it irrelevant anyway but it did affect the ending so i need to go back and try and play it again um that game surprised the hell out of me the the guy i think it's super massive games making these they are doing a phenomenal job on these storytelling games. You really should play them. Like they're all in the horror genre, so that's kind of weird, but I mean, they're, I they're just fucking good stories. I always struggle with story games. Like I want to like them and like I should have loved the Borderlands story game, the Telltale one. That one was so good. I loved that one. And I just get bored. I'm just like, I just want to do something. Like, I would rather read a book than do a story game. I I feel like, I guess my problem is, like, with a book, I, like, everything, or, like, a lot of the stuff is created, you know, the look of it by my imagination. Like, I have an idea in my head of what these people look like or places. Whereas, like, a story game, I feel like I'm... I'm just like sitting there watching a movie, but I have to push buttons to make the movie keep going. I feel like I, I've, it's like the lukewarm to me, either give me hot or cold. I don't want in the middle. So um, you might like little hope because little hope also has a bunch of varying kinds of quick time events. 
See, I also and, hate uh, quick time events. <laughs> I, in in most games, I do. It works for this. This this is the one of the few games that it doesn't piss me off. Um, also, uh, quick time events is like the number one thing that my kid absolutely hates. He's like, Dad, can you come and do this for me? And I'm like, why? You know, you can't do it. And he's like, no, I just really hate it. I don't know why they put this stupid thing in this game. It's ruining the game. You know, with 90% of games, I think I agree with them. And it was funny because, like, I forgot, but they put quick time events in um, Call of Duty games and Battlefield games. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I don't remember doing these at all. I guess I had blocked it out of my memory. Um, well, it's a lot of times they're just pointless and just arbitrarily placed in there, and you're just like, "Oh, I guess I'm." Yeah, it's like doing push B to time event now. Yeah, it's like push B to punch this guy in the face. Okay, now hit the right trigger to stop him from stabbing you in the face. Now hit the A button to stab him in the face, and it's like, well, that was stupid. It makes a little bit more sense with this because there's different kinds of quick time events, but when you'll use them makes sense. So if you're just doing random acts, actions, it's just going to be, you know, your four controller buttons. Yeah. Because I used, I played mine with controller. Um, but then there'd be like events where you're where you're trying not to freak out or you're trying to keep quiet, and it's always going to be pressing A or Y depending on the situation. But you have to do it in time with this like heart meter thing that comes up. Like you actually have to try and double tap it as like a heartbeat sound and shit like that. I'll be honest, that sounds um, like the opposite of what I want to do in games. I, in, Like I said, in general, I would agree with you, but for this, it works. Like, it, this is one of the games where it's appropriate for it to happen. But the, the point is, it keeps you interested, because you never know when they're going to pop up. So it keeps you interested in paying attention to the story. Like, you're usually doing something, not just sitting there watching people talk for most of the time. Yeah. Um. But the it also becomes like a puzzle. And I didn't even realize how much of a puzzle it was until I got to the end of the game, unfortunately. And it's only like a four or five hour story. So like replaying it's not that bad. Um But yeah, like you, you realize like you're just trying to make whatever decisions seem best or most interesting or that's gonna keep people alive. And then when it comes to a head at the very end, you're like, oh, I done fucked up. God damn it. Like <laughs> And also, the way the characters look, unlike a book, the way the characters look in Little Hope matters a lot because there's this kind of, like, uh, weird time displacement thing where you see the same characters, but they keep appearing in these sections of the game at, like, different periods of history. Mm -hmm. And, like, they're freaking out because they're like, all right, why does this character from, like, the 1600s look like me? (laughs) This is really fucking weird. And why do they look like specifically all of us? Yeah. Oh, and there's this these characters from the 70s, and they also all look like us. Like, what the fuck is this shit? You know? Yeah, it's a it's it's pretty interesting. I love I love the way that they're doing the anthology games. They're kind of switching them up with each one. So the next one that comes out this year, House of Ashes, is supposed to be it's supposed to take place in Iraq in like 2003, like during the invasion. Hmm. Um, but they're the monsters are usually some kind of metaphor or hallucination or something like that in the previous games. And they already said, like, oh, yeah, no, the, the monsters in the next game are actually uh, monsters. Hmm. And they're putting in, like, a 360 camera 
and adding more they're trying to make it way less linear make it so that you can actually walk around and explore things at your own pace instead of just following a linear story yeah um but it looks like some fucking the mummy meets tomb raider bullshit uh so i'm pretty excited to see what gameplay changes they end up making with that one sounds interesting that seems like one of those games i would be maybe more interested in watching someone play well, you can always head to twitch.tv slash stumpkinjack and see my playthroughs. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, I don't know that I would get that much out of, like, playing it, but, like, the story them the stories themselves sound kind of interesting. Well, and they're also very multi-tiered. So, like, in Telltale, your choices didn't really make that much of a fucking difference. Like, occasionally you would have a big choice of, like, do you want this person to follow you or this person? Do you want to save this person or this person? It's not like that in these games. In these mm-hmm. games, your choices really matter because yeah. you like everything will adjust how everything in the story plays out. So I can play that game four or five more times and make slightly different choices, and it will dramatically change the story. So that that's pretty neat. I actually like having to think about like. It's like, oh god, you know, you're just walking through a building and you pick up a knife. Do you want this character to have a knife or this character to have a knife? And it's like, uh, I don't know, I guess you can have it. No, you picked wrong. Two hours later into the game, you gave the wrong person the knife and now they can't defend themselves and they're dead. And the other person used the knife to kill themselves. You're a fucking idiot. And I'm like, oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) See... I hate that kind of thing because I'm like, I don't even remember doing that. Like, I, I would be the guy that's like, oh, yeah, I guess maybe I did give someone a knife. Eh. So the the art and camera direction in these games has very nice cinematic qualities to it. And they put a certain amount of emphasis on things that you need to pay attention to. So you'll fucking remember. Like, trust me, you'll remember that you made that decision. Yeah. Um, gosh, what's the, is it, it's not mass effect. I forget what game it was, but like every time you make a decision, it'd be like, so-and-so will remember that it's like, so accusatory. The telltale games will do that. This game does something similar. Like something will pop up on the screen and just show you like, Hey, your decisions have been updated at any time you can go into the menu and it's just like you told so-and-so to do this and you gave so-and-so this object and it, it just kind of let you lets you know not like oh they'll remember that you're like oh god what the fuck does that mean it's more yeah, like yeah it was just so ominous here's things that you've chosen so you understand where everyone's at and what they're doing and how they reacted to things right um and you don't ever need to look at them but sometimes it's nice to look at them just to just because if you plan on playing the game again which i do it's nice to remember exactly what choices I'm making and how I might want to try to do that differently later. Right, so you don't do the exact same playthrough a second time. Right. Um, and there's a lot of unlockables and other shit, which is pretty cool. Plus, the music is amazing. Hmm. Um, the, it, contrasted with that, I also tried to play another game that's been out for quite a while called Beyond Two Souls. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, it was made by the same people that did, like, Heavy Rain and uh, Detroit Become Human. Both games that I absolutely fucking loved. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever designed the gameplay for Beyond Two Souls, I want to punch them in the throat. It's the fucking worst thing. 
that game is also all quick time events but unlike the dark pictures anthology they did everything wrong that they possibly could do well that's like, fun quite yeah, the endorsement I mean, the the game like the story is great the characters the music all of the presentation is great but the actual gameplay is just absolute non-stop barrages of like 15 minutes of quick time events over and over and over again and it's not like one or two quick time events in dark anthology just to make sure like hey this is an important point that you really need to pay attention to and then you don't have to do this for a little bit it's no we're gonna have a 15 minute action sequence where you have to constantly do all these and if you fuck it up we're gonna make you start the whole thing over again oh um, sounds fun and none of it makes any goddamn sense. None of it's intuitive. It's just all over the fucking place. I want to finish that game because I want to know the rest of the story, but fuck the gameplay is horrible. Yeah. I'm really glad they didn't fuck it up with the rest of the games that they ended up making, or I probably never would have played any of them, but... Hmm. Yeah, that's that's an example of... Wow, I really hate the quick time events in this game. <laughs> yeah, that was... uh. Like, I don't understand why people still use quick time events in games. Like, it's just, I've never heard anybody be like, oh man, quick time events are the best. I love doing those. It's like escort missions. Like, those are two things just nobody wants in video games. I, I agree with the escort missions. Like I said, I think it needs the proper application. Dark Pictures Anthologies, they have the proper use of quick time events. And I don't honestly know how else they would do what they were trying to achieve. Like, I think that was a, a well-placed mechanic. But then again, just because it's a story-based game doesn't mean that you're going to do them correctly, and other games have definitely fucked up doing them correctly. Yeah. Well, like, I hate it when it's, like, an action game like Spider-Man or something like that, and you're in the middle of, like, a fight sequence, and everything just slows down, and it's like, push X. Yeah. And it's just like, but what if I didn't? Yeah. What if I just don't? Yeah. How about no? Um, so speaking of new games, um, I have played a whole lot of the new um, Monster Hunter Stories. I guess not a whole lot. I played five hours of Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wings of Rune. Um, ruin, if you will. And it, it's a real good game. Like... If you liked Pokemon, you'll probably enjoy this game. Um, yeah, I was getting really confused because it looked kind of interesting. Like, I'd love to play it when the price comes down. And, you know, you were like, oh, it's got Monster Hunter stuff, but it's an RPG, and it's got a lot of Pokemon mechanics. I don't know if you'll like it. I'm like, what do you, I, but I fucking love all the, wait, hold on, I'm so confused. Why would I not like it? I just feel like it's going to get too Monster Hunter-y for you. Okay, but it's an RPG, so how does it get too Monster Hunter? I guess is where I'm confused. Like, I guess, I guess I was always thinking that you didn't really care for all of the Monster Hunter, like the world of Monster Hunter. Well, like, I didn't, but mostly because it had absolutely nothing to do with the fucking game. Like, like in Monster Hunter World, I absolutely fucking hated the gameplay. But that's what I was trying to get into because that was the fucking game. It was you know take your weapons and go fight the monsters well if i don't like fighting the monsters that's kind of a big problem right but what was an even bigger problem was like oh did you actually finish the mission 
we're going to spend 20 minutes giving you a bunch of story that has no impact on the gameplay and you're just going to go and hunt another monster anyway so i was like great skip to me hunting another monster then why the fuck do i have 15 minutes of story here so you know it's like playing a fighting game and then having to deal like soul caliber where it's right. like, do you want to read two pages full of text like a small mini novel no i want to go back to fighting why is this here yeah so this game it it plays a lot more closely to pokemon so you have turn-based combat you have your party is made up of you and your you have one of your monsties out at a time. So there's monsters and that's all of the monsters in the world. And then there are monsties, which are the monsters that you can tame and have fight alongside you and you can ride them. That's really retarded. Yeah. I really hate that. That is the one thing where I'm like, can we not call them that please? (laughs) Please. Um, free fucking workshop that name a bit yeah like let's maybe you guys should have focus grouped that like look um, we came from the pokemon generation we'll put up with a certain level of retarded but like you fucking still yeah. failed what are you doing yeah so so you have your basically you have five or six monsters that you can have fight with you and there's 80 of them in the game and basically within the first like 30 minutes of the game um give or take 30 minutes of story and dialogue. Um, you're going to have like four or five different monsters. Like, you know, probably the ones that you're familiar with that you fought are the ones you're going to have the most quickly. Like the, um, you start with the, um, it's like one of the great jaggies or a great Jagras. Um, the blue and it looks like a Velociraptor with a rooster comb on its head yeah yeah yeah. so you start out with one of those you can get the aptanoth which are like the gentle nice like stegosaurus sort of monsters they're like the friendly ones they're not all the aggro monsters um and then you end up with like a puke puke and a kulu yaku so like the dude that picks up the rock i really don't remember the monsters that well basically it looks like a big chicken um sure and then you get the one that like spits poison and runs around and looks ridiculous, has big googly eyes. Um, so basically you start out with like the weak sauce monsters that like, if I go fight them in the game, like in monster hunter world, it'll take me literally like two and a half minutes to kill one. Um, so like the really, really easy actual monsters. And then eventually you start getting, you know, a Rathalos and, like the big bad monsters that you see in the games. Um, but yeah, so they all have an element kind of like, uh, or I guess they don't all have an element, but most have an element. And then they also have like a style of combat they prefer. So it's kind of like a rock, paper, scissors esque combat system where the monster that you are fighting will do either a speed power or technical attack. And you have to either counter it or match it because if you pick the wrong one. So if you're doing like power and they pick speed and they defeat you, you take a ton of damage and they don't take much damage. But how do you like, how is there any strategy to the game if it's just based on like rock, paper, scissors? So the monsters are, 
they are more prone to a certain type of attack. So like a smaller, like the Jagras is like a small Velociraptor type thing that like leaps at you. They're more prone to do speed attacks. So you know going in like, oh, I should choose the thing that counters speed. So you're going to use uh, technique to counter their speed, I think is how that works. Um, and then you've got skills on top of that. So like if you're using like a, a poison weapon, you can use some of your skill meter to use a special attack and like poison them, put them to sleep, stun them. Um, and then if you fill up your gauge all the way by doing like combo attacks, like, so if you and your monster in your party are both using the same styles, like both strength attacks and it counters what the enemy monster is doing, you and your monster will attack together in a dual attack and you won't, the enemy won't be able to damage you at all. And it like doubles the attack and does like a special attack. Um, so yeah, it, it's a, it seems complicated I'll, I'll, to explain I'll try a, a demo. Cause that sounds not fun. Yeah. There's a free demo on switch and it, it sounds way more complex than it is. Um, it doesn't even sound that complex. It just doesn't sound fun. I don't know. I like, it's one of those things where I guess I'll have to try it out. And get, it's you know, it's not it bad. It, it's a little more nuanced than I expected, honestly. Um, because basically I, what I find myself doing is like, cause you see the monsters you're going to fight roaming around in the wild mm -hmm. and you can like run into them. And if you run into them from behind, you get a sneak attack sort of thing. Sure. Um, and you can also avoid them too in a lot of cases. And even like all the monsters that you're riding around in the open world have like special abilities, like the ability to jump across big gaps. Um, one of them can roar and scare away enemies so that you don't have to get in fights if you don't want to. Yeah, it's the same kind of mechanic as, like, World of Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's pretty fun. It has a really cool art style. It's kind of like a 3D cel-shaded anime style. Um, it reminds me a little bit of Genshin Impact. It, it reminds me a lot of Zelda. Yeah. It's got, like, that, yeah, it's got that look. Legend of Zelda kind of look going on. Yeah, I, I think it looks really good. Technically, it runs pretty well. Um, I've been playing on my 1660 Ti system, and I'm getting like 120 FPS on maxed out settings, but there's not very many graphical settings. It's basically like, do you want good graphics or lower tier graphics? Because it's a Switch game ported to PC. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's that... Uh technically intensive no it's not i mean it runs on the switch and the reason i didn't get it on the switch is actually because i heard a lot of people saying it loads very slowly on there and just doesn't run particularly well um and also i would just much rather play games on my pc but um, yeah i don't use my switch a whole lot i mean we actually use it quite a bit um but yeah I mean, we have the new PC, so I was like, yeah, it'll be fun for me and Titus to sit out here and play a game. Um, and it's it's super good for kids. Like, if he he can't read yet. Um, and, like, he memorizes the button patterns and everything that he's supposed to push. Um, and, like, everything has, like, icons. So, like, he knows what attacks everybody's doing and everything. And he knows what the skills are. Um, but basically, the gameplay loop is... 
you go to a village they send you out to you know do some side missions like oh i need you to go and collect x number of rocks and this guy needs me to go and collect an egg and this guy wants me to go and kill you know this troublemaking monster and then there's the main storyline which is a whole fuck ton of dialogue and cutscenes um and basically the gameplay loop is you're going to go from village to village repeating all these different quests while maintaining the main storyline alongside of it. Um, and so the other major gameplay loop is you are collecting eggs from dens, monster dens, which are basically like a little instance dungeon that you go into that's got a random layout, but they're all basically, you know, walk down a pathway, fight a few monsters and then you get to the nest at the end, and sometimes yeah. there's no monster there, sometimes there's one sleeping, and sometimes there's one awake guarding it. Most of the time I found it to be someone, one of them is asleep on it, and the idea is you walk up to the nest, and you dig in the nest, and you pick up an egg. And then you have a cat companion that can tell how good of an egg it is like how basically like how powerful the monster is that will hatch from that egg by how bad the egg smells and by how heavy the egg is so like a really good monster will come out of an extremely stinky egg that's really heavy whereas like an egg that doesn't smell like anything at all and is really light will be like a bottom tier monster and they're all color-coded, so you know what monster is going to come out already. Um, so that's kind of cool. And then you take it back and you hatch it. And then you can take those monsters and you can sacrifice a monster, basically feed it to the one that you like to give it another ability. And it's got like a nine, like a three-by-three three grid of skills and abilities um, and stats. And if you get three in a row, like bingo style... You get bonus stats. So there's like a lot of depth to the game. Um, and yeah, I think it's good. Like, I think it's a lot of fun to play. I think it looks cool. I don't know that there's a whole lot of replayability. Like, there's Endgame where you can do multiplayer, like co-op, as well as you can do PvP. Um, and you yeah, can definitely like... spend time, like, you know, getting your, your best-in-slot sort of monsters, like your breeding and Pokemon. I feel like those kinds of games are games where, like, I don't fucking give a shit about doing co-op and multiplayer at the end of the game. Right, that's what everybody is saying, is like, okay, I've I've played the whole game, why am I doing co-op now? Right, like, yeah, when you told me that, I was like, well, who gives a shit? I don't want to fucking do co-op at the end. Right, well, and I guess it's basically like, hey, do you just want to, you know, min-max your party and go out and explore and do some random dungeons. Cause the thing is you'll find occasionally a rare dungeon where you have a higher chance of getting like a really good roll on one of your monsters there. Um, and so basically you get like three or four chances, chances from most dungeons to pick an egg. So like if you pick one up and you're like, Oh, that's going to be a crappy one. You just drop it. And then you pick up another one and you can't go back to the first one. So you basically, keep going until you stop and decide that's the one that I want. Um, and then after so many tries, like every time you pick up another egg, if there's a sleeping monster, there's an increased chance that it will wake up and attack you. Um, 
and then if you you know go the max amount of times there's no more eggs so like you're just stuck with the last one that you picked up and then you have to fight the monster if it wakes up so but it's not a big deal like they're not hard the game's pretty easy so far so yeah it's fun though i'll I'll try it out yeah i think it's i think it's a solid like when this is on sale sort of game to pick up and i don't think you'll see it go much below like 30 bucks but i feel like you know everybody's saying like there's a minimum of 50 hours for the main story i i have a feeling that for the next five years it's not going to go below 50 dollars just just because it's because it's a switch game well it's on steam like yeah it doesn't matter any game that has been on switch like it doesn't go below fifty dollars like even if it was one of the launch titles it's not going below that yeah i don't know i've seen the other monster hunter games and the other stuff go on sale on switch um like yeah I but were they up, made uh, were they made for switch yeah yeah i bought discount switch games i i've the only discount switch games i've seen are games that were made for something else that also happened to be on switch yeah, no, I got, that were... uh, I got uh, Super Smash Brothers on sale. It was like 30 bucks. Well, I haven't seen it go for that low anywhere yet. Yeah, I picked it up at, uh, I want to say it was Target. No, not Target. Uh, Meyer. It's like a grocery store, kind of like a Walmart. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. They don't typically go on sale. Um, but I, I have a feeling this one will probably, it'll probably dip eventually, even if it's only 10 bucks and don't get me wrong. I think it's worth it. I, I think it's a great game. Um, and if you love Pokemon, like definitely worth picking up, I would say it's got, it'll scratch that itch for a new Pokemon game, um, while being very different at the same time, but like be prepared for like a lot of dialogue. And, like, you can skip it, but I feel like you would be really confused as to what you're supposed to be doing if you skip all the dialogue. Um, and it is the question when it comes to that is, like, is the gameplay loop similar enough that being confused doesn't really make a fucking difference? And, I mean, like, is the dialogue good? Like, there's some Pokemon games where I don't really mind the dialogue. Like, Red and Blue... Sure, I'll read the dialogue. I don't care. But like Black and White 2, you would just have endless amounts of dialogue and all of it was meaningless and you you really, you just skip it. You know what I mean? I don't think it's winning any like, you know, writing awards or anything, but it's not bad. And it's like the main stuff is voice acted. So... Well, that's always good. Yeah, it's not bad. And it's like pretty entertaining and it's like, you know, a little lighthearted here and there and a little serious here and there. Um, But like, it's, it's a pretty basic story, but like what I mean by if you're skipping all the dialogue and you don't really know what's going on, like it, I think it would make the gameplay a little less enjoyable because at that point it really would feel like I'm just running around, you know, from point A to point B fighting a, a couple of monsters and then going back to town and then going and, doing the same thing again but like if you're at all interested in the story 
getting to go to like this special location is like really kind of cool and it looks different and it's special and there's like a big fight that happens there um but there's a lot of like you know oh there's a monster causing trouble you know why don't you go and hunt it for me and like if you don't read the story or or like watch the story dialogue around that it's very much like go here kill the thing run back whereas like if you're actually like taking in the story it it kind of makes it a little bit more rewarding because now it it feels like you help the village out and then you you also get benefits from doing it of like oh now i have a new fast travel sure. area yeah i guess that's what i'm worried about though cuz that's almost any rpg like if you get into the story like going to this place for this reason really matters but if I can just play the game without it anyway, then the dialogue is 100% pointless and I'm probably just going to skip through it. But so I like, will say it's... it's Chrono Trigger, for instance, if you're not paying attention to the story, you're going to be real confused at where the fuck you're supposed to go and what you're oh, supposed this, to be doing. Oh, this tells you, you know exactly I mean? where to go. Oh, I like, fucking hate that. Like, okay. it's got map markers and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But what I will say, like, if you're one of those people that, like, doesn't want to spend hours, like, reading story text... Um, you can skip the non-voiced stuff and be fine. Like if you're like, I, I want to spend as little time as possible, but I, I want to at least know what's going on. Just watch the voiced dialogue and you can put it on auto advance. So you don't have to like keep pushing a, it'll just like, they'll say their voice line and move on. Um, I would say don't skip that stuff and just skip the stuff that's purely text. If you're going to do that. Um, and then I'm if you're going to skip, if you're going to skip all of it, um, then the only way you're going to enjoy the game is by, you're going to have to really like the actual combat mechanics, like the turn-based RPG combat. Um, because like the game is like half turn-based combat and half story dialogue. Like it's definitely a story game. It's not like, it's not like monster hunter world where you, you know, you can go and spend, you know, you can skip all of the dialogue in that game and just constantly be fighting monsters and finish the game in like three hours. Whereas like this game, if you skip all the story, like you're probably skipping half the game. So, yeah. I mean, I guess if you hate the story, unless you really love the way they do combat, you probably won't like it. So. Yeah, but I want the story to be impactful. I don't really want the story to just be like, uh, you know, it, it's got to make up for the fact that there isn't really much in the way of gameplay. That that um, well, like, I mean, it's got a lot more story than Pokemon, and it's got the same kind of gameplay, but it's also got less combat than Pokemon does. Um, like. Even if you fight every monster you run into, I would say on a mission, I'll do an average of like 10 fights and they take like maybe two minutes tops. Like it's like, you know, a long combat is like six turns. So, um, and you can like swap your monsters out. You have items. Like the other cool thing about the game is you have your monster that fights with you, but then you also have different weapons. You can equip three different weapons that you can swap between. 
And then you also have different armor that you can wear on top of that. Um, and they do have like uh, layered armor. So if you don't like the look of an armor, but you want the stats, you can have your armor look a certain way the whole time. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's a nice feature. Um, but yeah, it, it's got a pretty interesting story, I think. Um, it, it's kind of multifaceted and like, I don't want to ruin it or like, I don't want to make it sound worse than it is because like, it's hard to explain a story without spoilers and make it sound really good, but it's not, it's not just like, we've got to save the world. It's not one of those. Like there's an element of that to it, but there's a lot more of like a personal sort of like individual's story to it as well. I mean, are there, um, are there NPCs with their own stories or anything like that? Oh do, yeah. Do you have like definitely. party members? Yeah. And you okay. get lots of different party members. Um, okay. Well, that sounds good. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. There's interesting characters and like you have basically a Palico, but he can speak. Um, he, rem- it, it's basically Meowth, like essentially. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking at a review and I saw it. He looked fucking frustrating. Like he's, I saw him in the trailer. He's kind of annoying. Re- yeah, I saw him in the review for like ten seconds, and I already wanted him to stop talking. So I don't know how I feel about that. He's a little irritating, but like the antagonist in the game definitely has like kind of like the cool version of the the talking palico. It's like this Moon Knight ninja cat. Um. You know, like, there's definitely, like, bad guys and good guys. Like, it's kind of interesting because, like, we're used to playing Monster Hunter and we're the hunter, right? Like, we go out and we kill the monsters. So, like, they're here, they're there in this world, but they're, like, the bad guys because they just go out and fucking murk these monsters. And then, like, all of, you know, your people, all of the tribesmen around you and everybody, you know, it's like the fucking, uh, it's like the Pixar movie, the dragon one. Where it's like, uh, you know... How to train your dragon or whatever? Yeah, it's like that. Like, we were the fucking barbarians, and then there's these guys over here, and we're like, what the fuck are they doing? They're friends with those things? Like, you know, a Rathalos, like, guards this island, and, like, they respect and, like, idolize this Rathalos. And, you know, the hunters come to the village at their behest, like, invite them over to be like, hey, let's be friends and, you know, foster some goodwill here. And it ends up turning into this whole disaster. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's kind of interesting. Like it, it definitely is a good twist on the monster hunter series where it's like, okay, so normally we just murder these things, but what if we rode them and fought alongside them? Like, I always wondered like, why don't they train these things? Like it seems way more efficient to have a black Diablos fighting for you than having to go out there with a fucking knife and try to kill it. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it's more of like, uh, like when I look at Pokemon, I always try to look at it as like real life animals and whatnot. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like it's the same reason most people don't go train and ride around a bear. I guess you could, there's people that do that, but like also if you have cannon and bears are a problem, giant cannon i guess like how fucking <laughs> you know it's really it's really weird that you brought that up because like one of my friends got a uh they got a domesticated fox as a pet the other day like a baby yeah. and i always thought it was kind of strange that we domesticated wolves 
and not bears. And I guess it's probably just because bears, right? Like they just don't want to be domesticated. Yeah, wolves are just like, dude, we're just we're just hungry. They're We'd they're food like, oh, driven. Cool. Help help us kill bear and we'll give you food. And they're just like, great. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it's easier for them to be given the food than try to kill for it. Um and they're pack animals, I guess is a big difference too, right? Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, how wild would it be if it was like normal for people to be like, oh yeah, dude, I totally got this uh, this spotted uh, long-tailed bear the other day. Like it's the best breed. They're so friendly. <laughs> like if we domesticated bears instead of dogs, <laughs> like that would, that'd be fucking wild. Um, Nobody would ever fuck with you if you were just, I had to go take my bear for a walk. But like if everybody had a bear. You know what I mean? I mean like, just imagine if still. everybody with a dog had a bear. Yeah, I guess that would really cut down on, like, street crime. Like, a dog yeah. is... A dog can be scary, but, like, not scary like a grizzly bear. <laughs> imagine yeah, I mean, if somebody's like, you, like oh, I've got a teacup bear. <laughs> if you've got a pit bull and somebody else has a pit bull, you're like, okay, but if we got into a fight, the pit bulls would probably fight each other, right? Right. If the bear got into a fight and your other and the other person had a bear, I still don't want to be that close to being in a fight when a bear is involved. Like fucking no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like training would be a lot more uh necessary if we had domesticated bears. Imagine if you would like swat a bear on the nose because it was taking a shit on your rug. Like how the fuck Yeah. And like uh <laughs> Like I, I'm definitely a proponent of apartments letting people have their pets, like their dog and cat. But like maybe I'm on their side when it comes to your pet bear. <laughs> like, yeah, like it accidentally accidentally sat down through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> like no, no pet bears on the second story. They keep falling through the floor. Like thousand pound grizzly bear just like drops through your ceiling. That's a bad fucking day. Good old drop bears. Um, so we gotta we're gonna have to make this short because there's stuff I want to do and I gotta go to bed early because of work. So okay. tell me tell me some more about this uh, formula drift stuff. We never go. We haven't gotten to that. Yet. Yeah. So okay, I wanna I wanna talk about formula drift. Um, and I know you're not like super interested or really interested at all. Um, yeah. But it's one of those things where I feel like it's it's good to have a outside perspective and like i'm super new to formula drift racing um i just kind of like happenstance wandered into it through youtube videos like during the lockdowns i watched this video of a professional rally car driver girl who was practicing to keep her skills and her muscle memory up by playing on a sim rig uh, in her house playing like dirt four um, and I was like, that's wild. Like, I, I wonder if she actually is getting benefits out of that. And it turns out like most of the race car drivers and people are doing that because it's way safer. It doesn't stress their cars out and it doesn't cost as much money as like putting new tires on your car, like spending like $2,000 on tires in a week or something, you know, um, like that basically pays for the sim rig in like one weekend. So that's kind of cool. And then I was like, oh, that's neat. And then it suggested another video. And I, st and I saw the Gymkhana videos. 
And then I started seeing these other car guys doing like drift car builds. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And then one of the guys that I watch started like competing professionally in formula drift, which is like, you know, the NASCAR of drift racing. Um, so drifting is like, basically you're driving your car sideways. Um, like you're taking a turn. If you've seen Tokyo drift, it's like that, but they have a course that they have to, you know, drag their tail through the very outside edge of certain corners and basically never come out of drift. Like they can't let their car straighten out or they just get a zero for that run. Um, so basically one guy goes and another guy follows him and then, they switch roles and the other guy chases instead of leads. And then the guy that basically did better overall. So like if one guy does better on, you know, the lead and then he doesn't chase as well. And then the other guy leads well or chases well, but doesn't lead well. A lot of the times it'll either be like who made more mistakes or you guys got to do that again. Cause there's literally just three people watching one's watching for like how well did they follow the track one guy's watching for you know how was their line did they like was it clean and did they make any mistakes how close were they to the other guy and then another guy's watching like you know how stylish was it did it look good were they going fast were their tires spinning where they were supposed to be were they like hitting the brakes too much did they have to make a correction so there's basically three people and they're all kind of looking for specific things while looking at everything as well. Um, and then two, if two judges vote for, you know, team A to win, they win. Or if two judges say one more time, they have to go one more time and try again and see who does better. Um, so basically it's a competition of don't fuck up. Whoever fucks up the least is who wins, basically, because it's really hard to do it perfectly. Um, so this particular race that I watched was in uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, called it uh, Borderlands was the name of the event. I, I assume that's like a a regional name or something, a nickname, um, and nothing to do with the hit video game. But um, yeah, it was... It was an interesting event. So the one thing, the first thing I want to mention that I noticed immediately when they kind of were like showcasing the track and everything is it had like almost small speed bumps at a couple of points in the track that when people were like walking the track and like driving on it in golf court, golf carts, just to check it out and see what it looked like and everything, a bunch of them noticed like, Hey, there's a bump here, but it, it's small. It doesn't seem like it'll be an issue. But what I noticed happening was like almost everybody, when they go over that thing sideways, it's causing a lot of loss of grip on the car and a lot of like a lot of speed differences because like all of a sudden you've got like one to two to three tires off the road. So you lose a lot of speed in that small amount of time because these cars aren't going like, you know, 200 miles an hour. They're going like 60 or 70 a lot of the time or even less, especially if it's raining. So like, you know, one day it's really wet, it's raining. So they're barely driving, you know, 30 miles an hour. And then when it's dry, it's a totally different track. So that, you know, that's interesting. There's nothing you can do about the weather and that's been a part of the sport forever. But like the bump in the track actually turned into like a huge problem 
and I feel like that's one of those things, like, even a lot of the racers were like, I didn't think it was a big deal, but, like, they got to fix that. And I was like, that seems like one of those things you probably fix before the race. Like, I, I just don't think having a bump in a racetrack is a good idea in general, unless you're probably doing, not. like, a Yeah, unless you're doing, like, Gymkhana, where you're doing a jump. Um, Like, you probably, you just... If you're driving sideways, you probably don't want to go airborne. Like, that seems like a bad combo to me. Um, and then one of the other things that I noticed is it, it just constantly seems... Like, I've only watched three of these events now. And it's always an issue where they basically give them, like, a few minutes to work on their cars. Like, if, a, you know, a part of the the tire or the uh, axles or like the assembly that holds the tire on. Basically a lot of the time, like they'll get bumped and like a bolt will break or something will come loose. Like there's a lot of parts in these cars that can break that aren't like, you know, expensive to fix really, but they might take like 20 or 30 minutes to replace just cause you have to take other things off to get to them sort of deal. Um, so like, last night's event like spoilers if you're going to watch it later i guess um maybe skip ahead or listen to this after you watched it but there was actually no finals so they did the round of 32 and it's single elimination so you lose once and you're out um they do round of 32 round of 16 top eight top four and then the final two is the finals so there was no finals last night because the guy that made it to the finals couldn't repair his car in the five minutes they gave him. So they just said, well, you get second place because you can't fix your car in time. Like, I'd rather give the guy another 20 minutes and actually see a fucking race, right? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I I really don't get any of it. Like, nothing about that sport makes any goddamn sense to me. So it's imagine if like you're watching like a basketball tournament and the final two teams are about to compete, but one of the teams lost their shoes. Yeah. But the the problem is you never will watch a whole basketball tournament on TV. Like there is a day for the finals. So that would just never happen. Right. But this is like two hours total. Like they could right. add an hour and give these guys a little bit more time to actually well, have if, a good, if, a good not run. If they're, not if their funding is dependent on like it being broadcasted or something. Well, it's all streamed. Like yeah, you still gotta, you still gotta pay the people to stay there long enough to do it. Oh, I, I get it. Like I, I understand like there's probably, I, I know for a fact that the reason they rush these guys and don't give them much time to fix their cars is because, you know, they only have the track for so long. They only have their staff for so long, but there's a lot of time during the day where they're just like having people do warm ups. you know, like maybe charge, you know, $15 more per ticket and reserve the track for an extra day or something like do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because most of the time they'll do like a Friday, Saturday and that's it. And then it just seems like every race is like 
it's not like who was better or who drove better. It always seems like it comes down to like whose car didn't break down. And like, that sucks. Like I, I would much rather see more good races than be like, well, yeah, he lost because his car wasn't working. So from the little bit that I watched and from what you've told me, it, it seems like NASCAR, but you remove all the fun of racing out because the whole thing takes like a, like a minute, not even a minute. It takes like a few seconds. Um, I don't know why there's two cars on the track. I don't know why they don't just go one after another and then just have them be judged or something. Well, they, they do that to qualify and then they okay. go to tandems. But just do that. Like the tandems don't seem to add anything. Right. I, I don't know what the so, value of that is at all. And then, so here's the, the cars thing. Don't even seem like they're made for the fucking playing. So I'm, I'm, I just don't. Well, they, no, they're, they're custom made for what they're doing with them. Okay, great. But if they're all constantly breaking, it kind of seems like they're not though. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I get what you're saying, but like basically what they're doing is like their you their cars are so custom made that it's not like it's not like a normal car or even like a NASCAR vehicle where it's like a stock vehicle that's just the horsepower is amped up. They're they put angle kits on the tires so they can turn them extra far. And they're putting a lot of pressure on things and they're basically trying to get the fastest car they can with the lightest amount of weight um, so that they can go fast, but they have the horsepower to keep the car going sideways. So they're putting a lot of stress on a car when cars aren't really made to do that necessarily. Like you're right. They're definitely doing something weird with the cars for what the car is meant to do. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like if you were like, I'm into rollerblading, but I'm doing a specific thing where I'm going to join a sport where we all test out, like, grinding on rails on a rollerblade, only the rollerblades that everybody's used break most of the time when you try to do it. I'd be like, maybe that's a stupid idea for a sport and you should stop doing that. So the the real issue, like, the problem is, like, it's not necessarily that they can't fix it or like a lot of the time it's not even something like serious where they, they totally broke it, but like something came loose and they have to figure out what went wrong. Um, so a lot of the cars have adjusted and they become more modular. Like they're specifically building the cars. So they're like, Oh, a lot of the time it's the front right corner of the car that either hits the other car in front of me or like taps a wall or something. So we've made the car so it's easy to replace the front right. Like, that makes sense. And, like, that's kind of how things have evolved. Um, but it's just... It seems, a, like the, the, it seems like the real sport is the people that have to fix the car in a small amount oh, of time. Oh, like, and that's I totally like a thing. those people would be more interesting than watching the people racing the fucking thing. Oh, it totally is. Like, that's why I like to go and watch the YouTube videos of the guys that are in the race. Because it's always the guys you're talking about, like the pit crew that's like practicing, like, you know, changing a tire, changing a control arm, like fixing a belt. Um, Like that shit's really interesting. And those guys are super talented, but like, I really just wish that they would give them a little more time. Like, I feel like five minutes is just such an arbitrary short amount of time 
You know what I mean? Like, I understand, like, it slows down competition and everything. Well, and you know what? It made that always made sense to me if you're doing like NASCAR, right? Like, this mm-hmm. motherfucker just spent like easily five, ten minutes going in circles until he wore his car the fuck down. And now he's got to have a quick break, but he's got to get back out there because you're racing. And right. this is just like, I drove my car for 20 seconds and it broke. Right. Okay. That well, and it's not necessarily a lot of the time. It's not like the car broke because it just broke. It broke because the other guy bumped him or there's a bump, a, like a hump in the track and my car fucking went airborne. The, the reason is unimportant. It's the amount of time spent. That was really more of the important part. You know so what I you mean? just, you just don't like that. The race only takes like 20 seconds. Yeah, especially if they have to spend five minutes like fixing the car. Like, fucking why? Well, and most of the time they don't. But it's like when you have 32 guys, there might be like four people that have, you know, damage that happens. Um, And I get it. Like, I don't want it. You know, I don't want every single car taking 20 or 30 minutes to fix the car. But like in the finals, you you may be. Are fine yeah, with that though. Like, like maybe <laughs> maybe give them like a half hour before the finals start just to make sure that the top two cars are in good shape to give us a good show, right? Yeah, throw up a bunch of ads or something like fuck. Ser- seriously, like figure out a way to give us a good final round. And it, guess what? If the guy figure who out. made it into the finals can't compete, maybe the third place guy suddenly becomes the second place guy because his car's running. Like nah. Yeah, no, I, I don't think, know. I think it, I think in almost any sport, like if you get to the finals and you suddenly can't compete, you forfeit. Like that's just games. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but like one thing I will mention is like all of the drivers seem to be really friendly with each other for the most part, and they're definitely all really respectful and like they all think everybody else is a badass. There's not a lot of like fuck that guy sort of thing going on. Like, there's definitely, like, some friendly rivalries and shit. And not to say that there's never any issues. But I will say, I don't know that I've seen another sport where all of the competitors are, like, real good friends. To the point where, like, they hang out and, like, you know, spend time with each other outside of racing. And, like, oh, I'm going to come hang out at your shop and let's work on our cars and let's go drifting in the street sort of deal. Yeah, but the the whole thing sounds like more of a hobby than anything. Like, it's really the whole package. You're right. It's not just the race itself. It's definitely the culture and experience around it. But I mean, like, just period. Like, great that they've made into a sport thing. I guess I don't know. But like, if you're playing basketball, for instance, right? If somebody's pissing you off, you still have to deal with that motherfucker for four quarters. Like, you're gonna be there for a while dealing with this motherfucker. As we're like you're you're competing against these other people for like a few minutes and then you're done. Yeah, great. I, I guess it would be really hard to get pissed off with people. So that's, that's like having a professional rock paper scissors championship. Even if you hate the other person, you're not seeing them for all that long. Right. So that does bring me to like one of the other things that I was like kind of just kind of watching this and getting a feel for the sport in general. Um, you had mentioned like, why the fuck are they tandeming? Why are there two people? And a lot of that yeah. comes from like where drifting came from, like in Japan, 
where they were, you know, people were kind of like feeling the flow, driving down the mountains, drifting together. Like that's how that sport came about. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like when you watch the, the qualifying rounds and it's just one guy and they're purely judging based on like how good he did going around the corners and how fast he went, like how much style was there, you know, did he meet all the criteria sort of thing? I, I do feel like that's a better way. Like the tandem thing is cool, but like that is the source of 90% of the issues of like people bumping into each other. Like I, of the three races I've watched, none of the other ones had as many people ramming each other as this one did. And I don't know, yeah. like it was definitely partially because of that stupid bump in the track. Um, but like that caused most of the issues. Yeah, I, I immediately wanted to fucking yell because I was sitting there looking at it and I was like, well, this track is really small. And like, I don't even see how the other person is going to get ahead of the first person. And then you're like, oh, no, the one dude's just following the other dude. And I'm like, yeah, they totally take turns. <laughs> fucking stupid. Tell them yeah. to stop. Like, why yeah. are you doing that? Like, and don't get me wrong. Like, when they do good at it, it does look cool, right? Like, when you've got the two cars, like... I, I mean, sure. I Yeah, I guess it looks... It, cool it's like when you sure. see, like, jets flying in formation sort of thing. It looks cool. But, like, also, they're like, yeah, we don't like to do that because, you know, jets. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't want to break those. It's not like a race car. Um, but, yeah, like... I, I truly do wonder, is tandeming really like is the because one of the main criteria that they judge on is like how close the other guy is. And I'm like, is this actually like adding to the competition? Like, how about we try one where it's all singles? Well, look, here's the thing. If you're going to do the tandem shit, stop doing this drift bullshit like it's NASCAR. Honestly, I'd be a lot more interested in watching it if it was more like ice skating. Like, right. Just give them a big, wide open fucking tar mat and make them do who can do the I don't know, the most do, badass do, freestyle tandem. Yes. That would be cool. That would actually be that would super be dope. Way more interesting to watch. I, I would watch that. Yeah, that would be dope. Um, and that's basically what people do, like in non competition. Like that's literally what people do. Except like it's not like just a big open area. They'll do it like on the streets or like on a closed course. Sure. I think um, the only reason I would say not do that is because if everyone's using the same track, well, that's going to get boring. Well, I, I'm like, just saying like, know. if you had like, if you had a track that had like a ton of different routes and they could like pick their route sort of deal. Sure. Yeah. Something like that. That'd be pretty um, neat. that would be pretty cool. Um, and then the other thing I kind of wonder about, a couple of things like is single elimination a good format? Like, I feel like they do that because like as a product of the issues we just talked about with all the repair damage issues, um, like the cars generally don't like when there's a one more time call because it's really hard on the cars cause they get really hot. And if you make them do multiple runs in a row, like instead of running your car down the track twice, now you got to do it four times. You're just putting double the stress on the car and that's increasing the chances for issues. And they go through like a set of tires in one of these races, like really one run. Like a complete waste of time and money. Like they have to, 
they either have to wait till there's better technology or build a different kind of car to do these with. Cause that just sounds really retarded. Right. And basically like they had two or three wrecks last night where people collided with one another because they literally had, they ran out of tires. Like their tires were just like, not like they didn't have any more they could put on, but the tires that were on were totally bald and like had no grip left. So they just couldn't control the car anymore. So you just end up with like a shitty race and usually usually a collision or a contact. So like a contact is like, oh, the guy bumped the other guy, but they were able to keep going like it didn't really cause an issue. A collision is when somebody hits somebody and causes one of the cars to not be able to keep going. And then at that point, they have to say, well, you're at fault. So you get a zero here. Um, and those are always that's always such a bummer, too, because then. The only way for the guy that got the zero to win is now the other guy has to fuck up somehow bad enough to also get a zero. And then they have to do it again with broken cars, most likely. So it's like this cascading issue of like, obviously, this isn't going to be as good as it could be. Like, you're obviously yeah. going to have problems. Um, and then the other issue, like, because I, I don't like single elimination in tournaments generally. I prefer when there's like a loser's bracket and then oh, you yeah. can have, then you can have like the finals where the guy's got to win, you know, once, and then he's got to come back and win again to actually win the tournament. Like that shit's cool and makes really good storylines. Like the guy won from losers. Like that's always the biggest deal in fighting games. Right. Yeah. Um. So, and then one of the last other things I wanted to mention, they keep putting these fucking cones just on the very corner of these zones where the guys are going to be dragging their tail through. And on basically the judges don't care where the back bumper of your car is. Cause like, imagine if the line is a C curve or a, like the curve on a C, right. And the yeah. tires have to be on the C on the line of the C, but the bumper of the car can be past it outside of the line. That doesn't matter. Cause cars are built different, right? So it's where the tires are. So basically every car that's not a hatchback fucking nails these things going like 50, 60 miles an hour and rips their back bumper off. And these guys literally have, they joke about it as the bumper budget. They have like a dozen bumpers that they just keep zip tying on because they know they're going to get broken off. Like, okay, let's not put the cone there. Did you guys consider that? <laughs> like... Like, I get that it's a marker for them to look at, but if we just start putting it, like, five feet back or, like, put it where you don't want the tires to be so you know, like, if they do hit that, they obviously were off the course. That just seems like an obvious thing to me, right? Am I crazy? Yeah. yeah. Like, why are we putting something that we know they're going to hit in their path? That just seems like a bad idea and causes like, issues. I, I guess... If these people are drifting all the fucking time anyway, and then you're doing a tournament, like you've got to do, I mean, it's like, it's like a few seconds. Like, I guess you got to do something to add a challenge to it. Well, they're not putting the, they're not putting the bumper back on between, you know, them leading and chasing. A lot of the time they just don't even bother to put it back on. So you get like one run, your first run with your bumper, and then it gets you know, bonked off and now you're just not running a bumper. So your car's bare ass the rest of the race. 
it really just sounds like they need to build something better to, to do this with. Yeah, I, I I don't know that they need to build something better. I think they need to adjust the way that they do the races. Because it, it feels like we're getting a subpar experience. And, like, it seems fun for the racers, like the drivers. But it seems like the only ones that ever have a good time are the ones that, you know, don't have any issues that race. Like it's, it's rare that somebody just like makes a big mistake without something going wrong with their car. Um, and it just kind of sucks the fun out of it. So like, you're right. Like, I think there's an issue, but I don't think it's the cars. Like I, like without the tandem and without the bumpers getting knocked off constantly, I feel like you have a lot less issues. And then the yeah, other it sounds like they're still putting way too much pressure on stuff like the tires and shit. And it's like, well, you're going to go through tires. Like that's, that's a given like that. That is part of drifting is like, you know, going through sets of tires because you're literally doing a 30 to 50 second burnout. I guess. And this is one of the reasons I never liked racing either, but I'm like, is this the best use of materials? There's, like, there's definitely an environmental of... issue here, yeah. Yeah, it always comes down to that for me. It's like, okay, when I drive a car, like, yes, I occasionally have to replace a tire, great. But if everybody is replacing a tire constantly, like, maybe we should just not drive cars anymore. Like, that's an obvious misuse of rubber. Like, fucking stop. I mean, they're definitely going through, like, two to four sets of tires per race. Yeah, and I feel like, they should fucking not just because they have the money to do it. Like that just seems it's, it's honestly disgusting to me. I, you know, I at least when I'm that. watching, at least when I'm watching baseball or something, like you're not really going through that many materials, right? They they right. got their uniform and the bat and the ball and they're, they're you're probably like, yeah, you've got extras, but you're, you're not going to be cycling through a shit ton of them. The the biggest issue is the stadium itself, right? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I get that. Stadiums. I don't give a shit about that. But either, like, so. <laughs> but like, the thing is, like, racing's gonna exist. It's gonna be there. Like, yes, the environmental issues are there. But like, fucking, there's so many other issues going on. Like, whatever. Like, it's a problem. But, um, so the other thing that I kind of wondered about is, should they let these drivers have two cars? Like, maybe you don't have to. But if you've got the budget for it, like most of these guys have corporate sponsors and like money to be doing this. Like it's very, very expensive. Like they're shipping these cars around the country on top of like going through like, you know, 10 grand in tires in a weekend. Um, and then like paying for their team to be there, their pit crew and everybody else. Um, should we just let them have a backup car? Or, like, maybe somebody has, like, a wet setup car and a dry setup car for if it's raining or not. Like, I don't know if that's a good idea or not. It was just something that occurred to me. Like, where's the downside in that other than, like, you know, like, maybe they have to pick the car and drive it unless there's, like, a, a clear damage mechanical issue with the first car. They can switch then, like, a true backup so that they're not, like, switching out cars trying to throw the other guy off or something. Um. I don't know. Like, it just seems like I don't see the harm in letting them have a couple of cars because like, if you, if you're bound and determined to be like, you've got five minutes to fix something that takes an hour, just let them jump in the other car and drive it. 
I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why you wouldn't be able to use multiple cars. It seems stupid to not. Yeah. Like, I, I get, like, somebody's going to be like, well, not everybody's got the money to do that. Well, then they shouldn't be there. <laughs> like, like, I mean, the it's a professional seems, sport. That whole thing seems like quite literally a massive waste of money. So I guess if you don't have a massive amount of money to waste, you're right. Maybe yeah. you shouldn't be there. <laughs> like, Yeah, I mean... If you think about like professional baseball or basketball, they don't have just enough guys to play. <laughs> like, like they have, you know, a couple of quarterbacks, they have a couple of linebackers, you know, they have the A team and the B team. Like maybe your yeah. backup car isn't as good as your main car if you don't have the money for it. Um, but like, I, I don't see the harm in that. So I don't know. Um, and then the last thing that I'll mention is, uh, well, I guess last two things. I wish they had cameras in the cars, even if it's for like a later video or something for the judges to look at if they need to review something. I, so I, I don't care about that at all. Cause I've seen, like, I think it's like NASCAR that's done that before. And like, I could fucking care less, but we have played a lot of video games. I guess if you mean inside the car, like to see the driver, yeah, I don't give a shit. Well, I want to but... see like you can see out the window, like the proximity to the other car, or like where they are on the line. Like it looks fucking cool when you I'm watch. Say, if you gave me like a dash cam. I'd well, that's what fucking... I'm saying. Like, yeah, give, give cool us a couple more cameras in the car's cockpit, or like on the guy's head, um, or put some more cameras outside of the car, because like they'll usually put one like on the roof but they won't have like a dash cam or anything like that. Um, so that would be cool. Cause like the drone shots are always awesome. Like that shit is cool. Like there's a lot of video of like these drones following drift cars around and the drone will like go up over the car and get in front of it while the car is like drifting towards it around a corner and then like flip the drone up over the car. And it's like, that guy is a fucking madman with a drone. <laughs> he he clearly gives zero shits about that drone's life. Um, but it makes for really cool shots. Um, sure. So I, I would just like a little bit more of that stuff. And then also they got to get their fucking like stream setup working better. Like we missed the most important half of the most important match that ended up being this huge upset. And nobody got to see it for like an hour after it happened because their stream kept freezing. And it's like, what kind of fucking like rinky dink shit production team are you guys running out here? And I don't know if it's because like they were in the middle of nowhere and they were using like one of those uh, internet vans, like the satellite vans um, to provide their internet service for the stream. But I don't know how we have as a, as a society haven't gotten streaming down yet. Cause like, I'll be honest, this is totally different and I don't want to get into a tangent about this at all. Yeah. But like uh you know we've been doing the the schooling through like you know the Chromebooks and you know Zoom or whatever the fuck all of that for the past year cuz of covid and all that right Yeah I'm watching our governor does streams and I know you've probably seen this kind of shit too mm -hmm. and it's low quality and the stream has trouble buffering and like and they're using the a laptop camera yeah, and, like, even the recordings, like, they sputter out and they drop the audio, and I'm like, dude, you just made all the teachers and half of the people in your state working do this, and everybody figured it out. Teenagers on Twitch do a better job of streaming than the 
fucking governor. What yeah. the fuck are you people doing? Yeah, they have like clearly have like zero budget, zero interest, just no effort put into their quality at all. Yeah, like I guess we're going to address the people and fuck them. So I guess we're not going to put any time into this at all. Yeah, I, I don't like, want to be here anyway, fucking... is what they're saying. Yeah, it's not that fucking hard. Like, what are you people doing? Yeah, but yeah, I, I wish they would uh, they would do a little bit more to make sure that their stream stays up. Because, like, the first, like, half hour of that thing was just not usable. Like, you couldn't well, watch if, it at all. If, you're, if most of the people are going to be watching it through streaming as well, like, maybe that's more important than literally everything else. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's... Because, like, the, the funny thing is, I'll go watch the YouTube video that all of the different people competing made while they were there, and you'll get better footage than the actual event itself. Hmm. Like the the competitors are making a better product, which I guess that's cool, but it's not live. So yeah, I but guess yeah. does it does it does it matter though? Well, and that's the other thing. Maybe like the live thing is cool, but if we had you know a way way higher production value product, and they did it like you know pre recorded, maybe that would be better. The only downside is it would definitely get spoiled by all the spectators with social media. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like, that's the one issue. Is it getting spoiled on social media? Like, you would know who won every event before they even had it, technically. I guess that's, I think that's a problem with, with modern sports, though. Oh, for sure. Because, like, sports are not fun to watch. And, and I... The reason I know they're not fun to watch is because nobody actually gives a shit about watching a football game. Because if you go and tell somebody so and so won, well now they don't want to watch the game because they already knew who the winner won. Right. The winner was. You know why? Because watching the game isn't fun. Everybody will go watch Sports Center then and watch the highlights because that's all they right. want to see. That's really all you wanted to see in the first place, and you just had nothing else to do on a Saturday because you don't have any hobbies. Like be real with yourself. Yeah. As to where like if you tell me so and so won a fighting game tournament, that's great. I'll still watch the fighting game tournament. Mm-hmm. Because it's fun to watch. Well, and, and I think that's how people feel about these events is like, they want to see the guy that they like and see how well they do. Cause it's, you know, it's like you were saying like a fighting game where, yeah, they're kind of doing the same thing every time, but they have to respond to the new course and like, they still have to do the thing correctly. Like they, instead of hitting the buttons, they got to hit the pedals right and, you know, turn the wheel the right way. Well, Um, it's probably also more interesting if you know specific people. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. Like anything like, else. I think, I think it's a little harder with team sports because, you know, I mean, you do have people that will watch like a football game because they like a, a specific player or something like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, they they only watch a certain team or only when like their, you know, their grandkid is playing or something. Right. But like, yeah, I guess if you knew like if if you were watching somebody you knew that was in like a UFC tournament and you know that they didn't want any win anyway, like you'd still want to see the matches they played in. Yeah, exactly. So I guess there's that. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. And like, that's why like the YouTuber that brought me to this thing, um, like he's the fan favorite, like everybody wants to see him win. And like, he qualified first and that was like his race in the top 16 was such a big deal. And that's the one that cut out halfway through. That's why everybody was so upset because he's like, like he has more viewers watching his daily YouTube videos than they have watching the entire race. So, like, 
you know, he definitely has the biggest fan base of like everybody in the sport, like bigger than the whole sport. So that's, that's creating a whole nother set of issues for them. But um, yeah, I don't know that other than like, I think they should, if they're going to keep the tandem thing, they should probably look into just like some sort of like hard penalty for contact, even if they can keep going rather than just like, Oh, you got a zero or not. Because like somebody could be like, Oh, he bumped me and I turned my car off. So he loses. Like, I feel like just get rid of the tandem then at that point, because there's no point of putting a hard penalty up there when the point is to literally like flirt with fucking the other car in the ass of your car. Yeah. And that is what it is. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Cause like basically they can hit the other car and there's no penalty as long as everybody keeps going. So like other than the wrath of the fans, there's really no penalty to like just turning your car off and being like that guy hit me. So now he loses. Not the wrath of the fans. Well, social media is mean. And I mean, like the rest of the internet. Well, and a lot of people, a lot of these guys make half of their living through their YouTube channels. And that's part of how they finance their, you know, race career. So like if they do something really shitty like that and they lose all their fans, you know, that is a big deal. So wrath of the fans. But that's got to really suck because not all I of them. I mean, a lot of them are just like sponsors relying on fans for anything. At least nowadays seems terrible because people are so finicky. Yeah, they're fickle. I, I feel like everybody will just like you dyed your hair blonde and you just lost 50,000 viewers. Fuck you. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of funny though. <laughs> Um, but I feel like that's how it is, especially if you get really popular. Oh, for sure. Like one of the, one of the other YouTubers I watch, like he's, he does videos where he's like pro, you know, pro drift car driver. Like he, he was a pro driver over in Japan where like, that's like the real drifting, you know? Um, he hadn't been able to drift over there for like two years because of COVID and like going over there is a huge deal. Obviously, if you live in the U S um, and like he lost a lot of fans because a bunch of them were like, "Oh, you're not even a real drift car driver. You, you just make YouTube videos." And he's like, "Yeah, dude. Like it's COVID. I can't race. Nobody's racing." Um, and now he like just announced that he's going back to Japan to compete in their Formula Drift over there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if all of his fans suddenly come back and they're like, "Oh, we're so sorry. Not that, that would ever happen." Um, it'll be they'll come back but without the sorry sorry it's not exactly yeah but like it's funny you mentioned the dyeing the hair because like he always dyes his hair like neon pink and yellow just ridiculous colors what happens if he just came out with like a regular ass hair yeah just brown hair all of a sudden nobody wants to watch you anymore just just a brown crew cut you know (laughs) everybody be like fuck this guy he's lame (laughs) i want him to look like my shoes did in the early 90s That's literally like the number one color scheme is like black and green, like razor or like, you know, neon rainbow vomit. I feel, I feel like those have to be the people that grew up being edgelords that just refuse to not be edgelords after the age of 13. Yeah. Like, no, no, that original Xbox color scheme. No, no, I'm doing that forever. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> like you mean monster energy, like the number one extreme sports sponsor for every extreme anything ever like extreme scootering like i got a black and green scooter i drank monster 
I actually watched a guy that was, uh, I think he was doing like a, it wasn't really a political video, but he was talking about politics. Mm-hmm. And it was like an animation. And he was just like, you know what, what I find really hard is like everyone's pointing out extremism all the time. But like, when I was growing up, like everything was extreme. I don't really see what the problem with it is. Like yogurt was extreme. Fucking bicycling was extreme. Like you could probably find a way to extremely breathe air. Like everything was extreme. So now they're now the Wim Hof method. Now everyone's confused why everyone's becoming an extremist. It's like, isn't that the kind of thing that you were marketing for a while? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a semantics issue though. Like an extremist, uh, (laughs) an extremist political view is a lot different than an extreme snowboarder. (laughs) You got to take everything to the extreme, sir. You know what I mean? We we want you to shred on the snow, (laughs) not over here. Okay. Um, You can't just be uh, a centrist. You have to be an extreme centrist. Oh God. Uh, (laughs) The most centered. I want to be as center as possible. (laughs) <laughs> I need four corners. <laughs> oh God. Uh, all right. Well, on that note, I know you've got stuff to do. Um, I'd be interested to hear from, I, I don't know if anybody from the drifting community is going to listen, but I, I would like to hear some of your thoughts on like the stuff that I've mentioned here. And again, I'm super new to this. Maybe this is stuff that's all been brought up and like, there's good reasons or reasons in general for some of these things to not be done like have there been uh you know like solo only drift competitions was it just like boring and nobody liked it like i get that people like the danger of the tandem and like you know the proximity being a a mark of like how good they are like how risky can they you know make it you know like if they really take risks and drive super close and nail it and nobody wrecks like it's a huge deal and it looks really cool i get that but like have we tried like just seeing like it's almost like jujitsu versus like ufc where like ufc is big and spectacular but like jujitsu is like super technical and way more interesting and cerebral but like it's kind of like watching chess versus watching ufc i get that like it's not as bombastic and spectacular i guess unless you really know exactly what technically is going on. I I suppose that's the only reason there, but I I'd like to hear some people's thoughts on like having a backup car, like moving the fucking markers on the corners out five feet so that people aren't constantly knocking their fucking bumpers off their car, dragging that shit around like a turd. Um, like, you know, is single elimination, only there because like the cars just can't handle <laughs> like Swiss. I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to hear some thoughts. So definitely uh, message us on Twitter or, uh, you know, our Facebook group or wherever you can get at us. It's just box press radio everywhere, Instagram or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts. So definitely let us know. And if you played any of the games that we talked about, let us know too. Um, I'm curious how people are liking uh, Monster Hunter um, Wings of Rune, Monster Hunter Stories. So. I, I, I would always like to hear more about how people are thinking about not only the Dark Pictures Anthology games, but just any story, point-and-click adventure game, anything like that. I'm really into them right now, and I'm trying to look at some more stuff. So if you've got suggestions or 
comments about how you feel about any of them. I'd love to hear them. Yeah. And uh, thanks, guys, for hanging out and uh, listening to the show. We appreciate it. Have a week. Have a week, guys. <laughs>